0: And yeah, you guys can grab a seat as well. Um, Yeah, so firstly, uh, some updates. So I actually got to go out and see the Coogan's building for the first time uh, on Tuesday. So on Tuesday, I did a massive round trip. Uh, I didn't have a car. I've been um, very fortunate to borrow uh, this beautiful girl, Caitlin's car, for the last few days. She gladly lent it to me and decided to catch the bus places, which... Thank you. That was really sweet of you. Um, But I decided it was probably in the best interests of the right thing to do to actually purchase my own car. So I've been traveling for the last six months. Um, Just before I left, I happened to crash my car uh, into a kangaroo at 110 kilometers an hour. And I tell you what, a French car running into a kangaroo at that speed isn't good for either the car or the kangaroo. So... um, I didn't have a vehicle to come back to. So I've now got a, a, a little black Subaru Impreza out there. So where is, uh, copy you? I saw your white one. I went, I've got to have myself one of those. Um, so anyway, hopefully I won't run into a kangaroo anytime soon. But that was all a long way of saying I had to go get a car and uh, Joel drove me out past the Coogan's building. And seriously, it is an incredible venue. And I'm really excited about what God's going to do through us as a body in that space and in that place. At the end of the day, it isn't about the building. Remember that. It's not about the building. As, as for those that were here this morning, Pastor Dave was talking about a platform and how in the, in, in, uh, the Bible, uh, there's, there's stories about people that bring platforms to God and then Jesus does miraculous things and, uh, and different prophets of the Old Testament do miraculous things through the platform. But it's not ever about the platform. That's just the vessel or, or the space that God can then move and in, into the community and have impact through. And, and I am really excited that that space out there, we have such a great opportunity to impact the greater area of Hobart, especially those suburbs out that way, and to see it actually turn into a space that is more than just a, a church service sort of space, but a space that can service the community with the hope and the good news of the gospel through lots of different avenues and through lots of different relationships forming. So it was great to actually get out there and actually see it um, because I hadn't seen it. I was just like, coogan got no idea. Went out there and I was just like, I can see it now. I see what Dave sees. He was saying, Dan, when I saw it, I knew it, <laughs> it was the, the place. And I'm, you know, all well done to Leanne and the team, uh, Chris Love, I don't think he's here at the moment. Let's give those guys a round of applause. Uh, they're doing an awesome job helping transition us from this venue to our, to our next venue. But like, through, in my message today, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about, about how it's not about the building. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a wine skin for the new wine. Uh, that's not my message here today, but that's, that's pretty much what it is. God wants to do a new thing in us and through us. And we need a new skin to contain what God wants to do in our city as we continue to move forward with the hope of the world, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, there's a little bit of an update, and a little bit of vision, and a little bit of encouragement, all rolled into one. Um, Actually, talking about things that are encouraging, testimonies are powerful. And last week, who was here last Sunday night? That was such a good Sunday night. If you weren't here, um, oh, we had like three or four people getting baptized, and God was just moving in power. And Tell you what, baptism services are for me just one of the most encouraging things and and to see there was a guy here called Brad. um, He he was led to the Lord that day um, and he was so hungry to be baptized and I knew him from 12 years or about 10 years ago when he was at high school and to see what God had done in him uh, and to see the change of his demeanor, uh, the only answer is the gospel. It, It was not human effort that had him here saying, Dan, I'd love to catch up with you during the week. Because last time I chatted to him, he was at the high school and he was someone that teachers were literally afraid of because of how aggressive he was. But like Legion, who everyone thought was a a hopeless um, case out in the graveyard, God still moves powerfully today. Transforming lives, not by the power of humanity, but by the power of Christ, the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that rose, rose him from the grave, moving in power in people when they hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, I just wanted to get a couple of people to share a couple of testimonies, because God's doing awesome things in our body, <laughs> and it's never about just a preacher standing up here sharing a bunch of things, it's about mobilizing the body for the work of the ministry. Um, so, Tennille, can you come up here? Uh, give Tennille a round of applause. She's just going to share some stuff that God's been doing in her world first. And then I invite someone who was baptised last week to share some cool stuff too. How you been anyway? Doing well?
1: Yes. It's school holidays and I have holidays from work.
0: Come on. That's awesome. All right. I'll let you share some stuff.
1: Okay. Let me just wrap my head around the fact that I'm public speaking, not public singing. Okay. So, for... No, thank you. (laughs) So for those of you who don't know me, um, I wandered into this place around 20 years ago. I was a bogan. Um, I rocked up to High Impact, which was a local youth group that was run out of this church because I liked boys. My husband, just so you know, the fruit of that ministry was my husband. Um, I walked into this place from a very broken home, I grew up in domestic violence with a very violent alcoholic dad. Um, I was homeless for the first time at age 15 and in and out of home between 15 and 18. And thanks to Dave and Alex, the most beautiful pastors of this church, I stand on this platform before you today as a testimony of what God can do in one life, in one family after seven generations of women experiencing family violence. Fast forward to nearly three years ago in February, I met my biological dad for the very first time. It was not something I was overly prepared for, neither was my heart really invested in. I'd sort of ummed and ahed about this since I was nine years old when I first found out that I didn't have the same biological parents as my siblings. Um, He came here first and then I reciprocated the gesture and I flew to New Zealand and I spent a week. Didn't quite pan out like I imagined. I had this idea that one day I would find a place that I belong. I had this idea that one day I would find people that I belong with and that would be like me and I would be like them and it didn't work out that way. So what that taught me was that I only have Christ. I have you guys. And that's, that's a really, really excellent extension for family. Uh, but it really took me back to the grassroots of my faith and what is that about? And so, you know, I, went, I came home and I was like really mad. I was really mad. I was really mad with God. I thought that I was going to find my people. But I didn't. And that's okay. Okay. Because in nearly three years, I've been walking with God since I was about four, I've wandered into this place, as I said, about 20 years ago. God has never stopped working in my life. Something that God has helped me articulate is that I had the spirit of an orphan. My parents hadn't passed away, but my experiences had made me feel like an orphan. And I know that there are many people on the earth who would absolutely identify with that. So... Some things that God has really imparted to me is that being right with Jesus isn't supposed to make you feel like an orphan. That's emptiness. That's not truth. Being right with Jesus should make you more right with people, shouldn't make you more separate from them. We all have a family. We all have to go home. We all have to love them. Now, don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying go home and have unsafe, unhealthy relationships with people who shouldn't be in your life I certainly understand boundaries and appropriation. But I recognised in this time that I'd been believing a lie, that it was impacting my ability to heal and move forward in my life. I don't need a family, but I have a family. When I question whether I am loved, I go home and I love my family. I come here and I serve God's family. So, that's when I realized that was the heart of the gospel. Like, when Jesus was saying, you know, leave your mother and your brother and your auntie and your uncle and your sister and your sister-in-law. He wasn't saying, forget you have a family. He was just using the model to show you that we are a family. And that, you know, we all walk in here as orphans. And, you know, like, we know how to do family. We're, no matter how broken we are, we know that family's supposed to be a thing, yeah? So... By withdrawing from the orphan mentality, I found a new freedom in Christ. And I've been able to receive everything that he's imparting to me. So uh, during that period of time post finding my dad and going to New Zealand and that happening, I was um, leading chapel at Alpha Crucius, Dan would remember. And every week for about seven weeks, pastors from around Hobart, different ones, they like not on the same day, came in and they all gave me the same word. They all said, you're a light in the dark place. A little while ago, thanks to my beautiful Katie, um, I didn't realize that my name literally means the light. So if God had any kind of sense of humor isn 't that amazing that you know that this person with an obscure name who feels like they don 't belong who 's even had a week 's worth of detention for lipping off in year seven to an English teacher um, actually found the definition of my name means the light so I just want to say that because God is so faithful to me if you if you come into my world and if you have conversations with me you you 'll see that I believe that with my whole heart like you know monday to sunday it's a real thing and something else i wanted to say it's paraphrased by me from the passion but it's romans 8 verse 14 to 16 and i wrote i am a mature child of god who is moved by the impulse of the holy spirit i did not receive the spirit of religious duty i'm not being led back into fear of not being good enough I have received the spirit of full acceptance. I am a member of the family of God. I will never again feel orphaned, for he raises me to praise him. He is my beloved father, he is real, and I am his beloved child. I am his daughter and I am destined for glory, as are you.
0: Thank you, Tanil. that was incredible. Just stand up here with me for a second. Um, is anyone in their spirit you're resonating with that feeling of being unloved or feeling like an orphan spirit in your heart at the moment um, I'm, I haven't told you to close your eyes and bow your heads because we're family here um, if you honestly feel that feeling at the moment I'd love some people just to get around you and we'd just love to pray with you or maybe it's just been such a hard week and you just need the love of God in such a tangible way we'd love this to just to sit with you and, and, and pray with you in this moment rather than waiting to the end of the service to minister what God wants to do in this moment, let's just take some space right now. Does any, anyone need prayer you, you want the father's love to yeah a whole bunch of if you're sitting near these people, just put your hand on their shoulder or even give them a hug if you know them really well um, <laughs> let's let's get all right um, do you, can you can you lead some prayer to him?
1: Father God, I thank you so much for your faithfulness. I thank you that faith is something that you respond to. I just pray right now in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would fill this void, that that emptiness, that that spirit of orphan, that it would just be cast out in the name of Jesus. Father God, I thank you right now that that He who began a, a good work will finish it, and that you know that tonight veils have been lifted from eyes, and that God, this is an extension of Your work. Father God, I just thank you for the love that you're pouring into every single one of these hearts right now. Father God, I pray for your word. I pray that in the days and weeks to come that you would pour in place your words and that they would stick and that they would stay and that when they feel empty again, they would see the name of Jesus covering every single word they've said that is not from you. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thank you, Tennille. Awesome, thank you for sharing that. Let's give our Tenila a round of applause and thank her for sharing what she was sharing. It's so true. And in the body of Christ, when we're adopted in, He replaces the spirit of an orphan for the spirit of sonship or, or, or as a daughter of the King of Kings. But it is, we have to work out our salvation. The Bible says, work it out with fear and trembling. You don't download it all at once. It's not like you understand 100%, but it's by faith we continue to move forward to become more Christ-like, it's a journey. That's that's what that's what this this life of Christianity is. Uh, another man of God, who's uh, sorry, not another man of God, another person of God. Uh, uh, to Neil, anyway, you didn't hear that because you just looking at a phone. It's okay. Uh, but <laughs> um, Joe French, can you come up here before I say something else stupid? Um, now, this guy, this guy was baptized last week, but. Um, after the service, he was sharing with me this testimony that I just thought was so powerful. And in an incredible way, Gaynor's wearing a jumper that's probably similar to the one that you saw. But um, I'll let him share just a, a story and a testimony. I'd love to pray for some people off the back of this um, story as well. So, Joe, um, we love you. Share some stuff.
2: Love you guys too. Okay, so probably just under a month ago, I went out. Well, before that, on my Facebook feed, I've, I saw this guy, Darren Steen. So I rang my mum and said, who's this Darren Steen guy? And apparently he was my nephew, my uncle, no, my nephew. And from that, Pat Steele is a mate of his, and Pat Steele's is a pastor. Um, Pat Steele came down to Hobart about a month ago and did evangelising around Hobart on a Saturday morning at Salamanca. Right, Salamanca Market. Yeah, you can just imagine, here I am. I don't go out and preach or evangelize or anything, but I wanted to meet Pat Steele. And he goes, let's go. So there was about 20 of us. Uh, Jesse from YWAM was there. So we got split off into groups. I was in a group of four and I had Ray from YWAM. I had another young fellow from, well, so he's the, he runs YWAM, Ray. Um, So there was him, a young guy from YWAM and John from River City. So we all stood and we prayed for the Holy Spirit to come down on us to go out and evangelize to pick certain people it wasn't just random it was to pick certain people from who was walking around Hobart I got a lady with red curly hair and a jumper with rainbow patterns on it and and so when I was standing there praying I thought well that, that's good but this is the first time I've done this like what am I going to say and we prayed into it even more and I got a really heavy feeling in, in between my shoulder blades. I went, okay, fair enough. I don't know what I'll do with that. But... And then I, th- then I thought, so where am I going to find this person? I'm not going to walk around Hobart all day. And then it was put on me that she would be in the Elizabeth Street Mall. Said, cool. So cool. cool. I said to these four guys, we, we, we spoke together and said who, who we were going to pray for and where we are going to find them. So I went to Elizabeth Street Mall, walking through, lady with red hair, And a rainbow rainbow jumper. I go, that's not her. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is. Go back. (laughs) If I have to. (laughs) So at that stage, she'd sat down. I said, look, this might sound really, really weird, but we've just had a prayer meeting. And the Holy Spirit put on me that I need to talk to a lady with red curly hair and a rainbow jumper. And I went, I think you're it. (laughs) Do you mind if I have a seat? My name's Joe. So anyway, I sat down, and I was talking to her, um, and she said, look, I did believe in God, but I had trouble in the church when I was younger, and I don't want anything to do with the church. I said, that's fine. You don't need anything to do with the church, but Jesus is calling you back. We're all the church. You don't have to go to the building. We're all the church. Jesus is calling you back. And then I said to her, I said, do you have pain in between your shoulder blades or anything like that? Because it's just random thought that I... That came into my head. She goes, No, not really. So, 10 minutes into the conversation, we were talking. She goes, Sometimes I really feel like I've got the weight of the world on my shoulders. I went, That's it. I said, Right. Um, and she was talking about stress and anxiety. So, I shared Philippians 4 6 to 7. I, I can't remember it. If someone else wants to yell it out. Oh, There you go. That one. I did remember it on the day, but I'm just on the spot now. Um, And then she said, I said, all your anxieties, you need to give them to God. I said, you need to let someone know. She said, I can't let anyone know. I said, I feel that you can't let anyone know because that will expose somebody else. And she said, you're dead on. I said, okay, so you don't need to expose it to a human or anything like that. You need to expose that and give that to the Lord Give it to him, let it go, and it will be off you. And she said to me, she said, look, I'm not ready to pray any prayer or anything like that today, but next time you see me, come and talk to me. I haven't seen her yet, but I do remember what she looks like, and when I see her in the Elizabeth Street Mall, I will be going back and talking to her and seeing how she goes. It's about planting the seed. It doesn't matter how big the seed is, but she'd given up completely, but by the end of the conversation she said, Next time you see me, come and, come and have a chat. So,
0: Thank you for sharing that, Joe. And um, just before you leave us, well, obviously, um, you know, Joe was just baptized last week. It's not like he's got a, 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 um, a degree in theology and off the back of all his understanding of everything about the Scripture, he's going out to share. He's just going on the obedience of what God has said to him. To share, and that's what that's what it says in Matthew 28. Go into all the world, preach the gospel. And it'll look different in different circumstances. Like Joe didn't just go up to this lady and just go, "You need Jesus, repent." Like, you know, he just went in there to start talking to her, and he was deliberate. He wanted to. He wanted to share his hope in Christ and share what God had been doing in him. But he made sure he was being led by the Holy Spirit as he was doing that. And that's one thing. As the body of Christ, we need to do more because. As good as the service is, as Dave shared about this morning, this is just a small platform. The real platform's out there. It's called the world. And he needs us to be ambassadors of Christ, like it says in Colossians 3, to go out into the world and, and share the good news, to share that we can find peace in Christ Jesus, to fi- share that we can find hope in Christ Jesus, to share that he's the only way that we can actually be saved. So to share those things and, and, to, and to get alongside people where they're willing to let us in not forcing our way in but actually finding where we can get alongside them and sharing our hope in Christ in that space and in that grace that has been given to us does anyone struggle with actually testifying and sharing about the hope they have in Jesus Christ to people I was going to say I'll be serious I'll put my hand up I'm the preacher and I sometimes struggle with that let's just let's just put our hands out in front of us like we're about to receive something Because we're not called to be silent witnesses. We're the hands and feet of Jesus. So King Jesus, I just thank you for every single person here in this place and all the other members of our community, this body of Christ called, uh, called Energizer. And we ask that you would give us courage, that we wouldn't be ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God under salvation, that we wouldn't keep this treasure hidden, because this treasure is the hope of the world. We can find peace, we can find joy, we can find salvation from separation caused by sin and find acceptance through Christ Jesus with our Father in heaven. So Lord Jesus, I pray that your Holy Spirit would lead us and guide us, that we wouldn't operate in our own ability, our own capacity, but by the capacity of the Holy Ghost within us, we would go forth this week to be able to communicate and love like you have loved and to share like you have shared, and to, and, to, and to be catalysts for change, like you have changed us through the power of the Holy Ghost, when we brought our lives on the altar and said, Jesus Christ is Lord, Jesus Christ is my Saviour. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Joe. Thank you for sharing that. Let's give Joe a round of applause. What a great testimony. What a great testimony of, of just a man being obedient to the Holy Spirit's leading. Now, I don't want to share a massive sermon tonight, but I just, I've got some thoughts that I want to share. So, I was driving back from Coles Bay. So, probably a lot of you that know me have probably thought that, oh, Dan's going to share an exciting story from his trips abroad, from Asia, from Africa. No, no, I'm going local tonight. I was driving back from Coles Bay just yesterday uh, last night to be specific uh, I, i'd been up there because a good friend of mine from primary school and high school he's decided to get married he lives in wa but he was so kind that he came all the way back here to have his bucks weekend up at frayson where we would watch the football let's just write out our hands to brian lord we just thank you for this man and we just pray comfort would come upon him man we... so for those who don't know brian he's the head of the gws fan club here in Tasmania. And, um, yeah. Uh, Is there any Richmond fans here? All right. Let's just reach out our hands to these guys. Lord, we pray that you'd give them humility, that pride comes before a fall in Jesus' name. Um, Amen. Uh, Anyway, I was driving back from uh, a Bucks weekend. Uh, We'd been playing paintball. Um, For those who don't know what that game is, you have like a gun that shoots paintballs and. It's quite entertaining, I'd, I'd recommend doing it at some stage, it's, yeah, it's fun. Uh, but anyway, we did all that sort of stuff, but on the way home, I saw a sign, and I'm not saying like a sign like, like the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus, I didn't go blind in that moment, thank the Lord, um, would have been very dangerous driving home blind, in uh, on, on two ways, uh, but I saw a sign and, and, and it said, um, expect the unexpected. And it had like a picture of like a kangaroo and a a bike like falling over and stuff like that. Um, Why laugh at that? I I don't. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah, I shared about that last time. That's how I destroyed my Peugeot. Okay, that that is actually funny. (laughs) I hadn't even linked those two. When I was thinking about sharing about this, I hadn't even linked that. But that's classic. But thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, But I saw this sign. And I felt in in my spirit, the Lord speak to me. How often um, do we get caught unaware by things that come up in our lives? And some of them are serious things that come up at times, like work dries up. And all of a sudden, your security at work is like questionable. And you're like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Or someone we love passes away. These things happen and it's heartbreaking when it does. Or you know an argument with a friend happens that we didn't see coming all of a sudden something you thought you did lovingly they took offense to it because it was a miscommunication unexpected things happen in life can we all agree on that and we shouldn't be caught unaware because life is ever-changing if you want something you can trust is going to happen trust that life's going to change the things that that we have in our world don't always remain stable. There's only one who remains stable and his name is Jesus. God. That's why we need to place our confidence not in the temporary, but in the eternal. Not in the things that can be shaken, but the unshakable hope of glory that we can find in Christ Jesus. Expect the unexpected. And You know, other things can happen. Like, you know, when I was away in Thailand, I actually crashed a motorbike. That was fun. Um, And other things can happen. Expect the unexpected. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and and sometimes we can read this passage of Scripture and, and, and pull out a single Scripture out of this passage in isolation, and you'll hear preachers often say it, or people on platforms often say it. But it says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 from the start of it. It says, For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. Because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in in this tent, we groan and a burden because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. I love that. I just pause there for a second. It's amazing. It, this is imagery that the Apostle Paul is using as he's communicating to the people in Corinth. Now, the people in Corinth were quite an influential church. They were growing rapidly, but Paul had to speak to them about the importance of keeping their focus on the right thing. Sometimes we can get caught up in Christianity, especially in the West, where it becomes materialistic. It becomes what's... If, if everything's going well, I must be blessed. But when everything's going wrong, oh, it must be an attack from the enemy. It's like... Paul's trying to bring it back and say, hey, look, whether you have lots of stuff, this material stuff, this tent that you have, this physical body, this man t- flesh tent sounds a bit weird, Uh, or whether you, it's, it's not about you, it's about the life that is to come and there's a confidence that we can find in the tent that Jesus, Jesus said it himself, I have gone to prepare a place for you. In heaven he's prepared many rooms for us. And he brings it back to, to, to where is our focus? Is it on the material things, the, 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 the work, the relationships, the friendships, the, 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 the house? The, 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 the Insert stuff here. Or is it about something greater? He goes on to say, now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God who has given us the spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. There is more. God has more for us. When, When we leave this body, there is greater. Because we actually get to come face to face with our creator. And anyone who is in Christ will be welcomed in as a son or daughter of God. Not in works we're welcomed in, not in ability, not in capability, not in what you've achieved, but in Christ we are welcomed in. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. Here's it. For we live by faith and not by sight. So that's that's the scripture we often hear from this passage. And sometimes it can get preached um, just like thrown out there during mid-sermon. It's like, "Yo, know, live by faith, not by sight. But when you look at it, the context of what Paul was trying to communicate to this group of people called the church in Corinth, he was trying to help them see that it's not about your life, but it's about your eternity. It's about focusing your life in such a manner where it's actually focused on the eternal destination, not just on the temporary um, tick boxes like okay, got car, got married, um, had children, uh, graduated. You know, it's it's not about the temporary, but he's saying, look, look towards the eternal. Fix your eyes on Jesus, for we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident. I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. What an incredible thing to have such security. In who you are in Christ, such an intimacy with the Father through Christ that you could say, look, I'm actually happy to not be here anymore because that is better. In another passage, he says, to live is Christ but to die is gain because he had full security, not on the things of this world, but his security was found in the person of Jesus. And I want to encourage you, that's where God wants to move us as his body, as this group of believers. He doesn't want you to be shaken and, and unexpected things happen and then you're so rocked that you can't, you can't gather yourself. He wants you to have such intimacy, such security from being intentional with your relationship with him. That no matter what unexpected thing is around that next corner, your confidence isn't stolen by that circumstance because your confidence has already been given to Christ. It goes on to say, we are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal. You know, watching the football and GWS struggling to get to the goal. Richmond did it a lot better. I had to tie it in somehow. <laughs> but it, the, the Richmond's goal was to kick goals in AFL. This is the goal that Paul was telling the church in Corinth. So we make it our goal to please Him, whether we're at home, in the body, or away from it. So whether I'm here living, my goal, please the Lord. Whether I'm passed away from this life, my goal is to please Him. And... Um, Who's that preacher that you like listening to, Caitlin? Um, No, not the other guy. Uh, John Piper. Um, Actually, I felt like this word was for for you, Jamie. Um, God is most pleased with us. I shared this with your father. When we're most satisfied in him. Yeah, yeah. Grant, do you want to stand up? No, okay, okay, (laughs) yeah. But I felt like that was a word that God wanted me to encourage you as well. Maybe it's a a Mullen thing. Uh, But... God is most pleased with you when you're most satisfied in Him. That's something that John Piper said, and I was like, it's such a good thing. It's like it's not when we strive and accomplish more and more, because if you're doing it not in conjunction by the Holy Spirit's leading, that's that's works. <laughs> but when you're abiding in Him, when there's connection, intimacy, when we're when when we're finding joy in Him, when we're experiencing peace in Him, when we're when when we're just adoring Him and finding life. In his life, that's when he's satisfied with us. So let me encourage you, make more time in this week just to spend time with God. Whether that's driving the car and parking somewhere, reading your Bible, praying, what, whatever it is where you feel like you can get that connection, that intimacy with him, just take, just take an extra 10 minutes a day or an hour, whatever, whatever you have space for. But he is most satisfied with you when you're, when, when, sorry, he's most pleased with you when, you, when you're most satisfied in him. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we're at home in his body or far away from it. Verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due for us, the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Like I said, often I, can, I feel like we can quote that passage of Scripture, um, just that one verse in isolation, that one verse of, of we live by faith and not by sight. And it almost becomes a Christian cliché. But when Paul was sharing this, he was trying to make it so clear to the people in Corinth, so clear that we need to have an eternal perspective. This life is but temporary. And that's what it actually means to um, live by faith and not by sight. Because so often in this world, we can turn our eyes to the temporary things. The world is always trying to get our attention. <laughs> it's like the, the new iPhone's coming out. Oh, the grand finals on. Ah, oh, this thing's coming up. That thing's going on. Attention, 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 attention! It's trying to trying to get our attention. But God's encouraging us through this passage of Scripture that our attention needs to be fixed on the eternal, fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, because God has more in store for you. He wants to take you from glory to glory. He has prepared good works for you to do in advance through Christ Jesus. And it's not going to happen through us turning our eyes and, and, and losing our sight of him, but us fixing our eyes on Jesus. In every circumstance, in every situation, when the unexpected happens, instead of looking at the problem, turning our eyes back to Jesus and saying, God, I don't know what to do here, but I know that the Holy Spirit can lead me. So my confidence isn't in my ability, my confidence isn't in my capability, but my confidence is in Christ. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus. Our world today is trying to make us live the other way around to live by sight and not by faith. Live by ability and not by faith. Live by capacity rather than live by faith. But this walk that we call Christianity, being a disciple of Christ, is the other way around. It's by fixing our eyes on Jesus and by living by faith that we truly please God. In Hebrews 11 verse 6, says, without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. We're talking a lot about this move. And if you've been around Energizer over the last month or so, some of you might be like, oh, I've heard it so often. I'm talking about this move. And that's why I shared at the very start, it's not about the building, but God wants to move his body. He wants to move you from comfort to calling. He wants to move you from apathy to anointing. He wants to move you from complacent to to, to stepping boldly, courageously into all that God has for you because he has prepared works for you to do in Christ Jesus. He hasn't just prepared a comfortable place here on this earth because this life is but temporary. He has prepared things for us to accomplish that we can't do in our own capacity, that we can't do by our own ability, but we can only do by being led by the Holy Spirit, like Joe, <laughs> and obediently trusting, going, even though this don't make sense, I'm going to do it anyway. Because when you look at the group of people that we read about in Hebrews 11, so this, this scripture I just shared, Hebrews 11 verse 6, that without faith it is impossible to please God this this chunk of scripture is quite challenging because when I read this passage they call it the Hall of Faith, there's all these people that do things that in our right thinking seems ridiculous like how about how about that guy who built an ark you've heard of him yeah yeah that guy named Noah Yeah, you know a guy oh bitch. wait. well on, Grant, um, but Noah, like in all seriousness, what he was doing to the, the, the world view of the community he was living in at that time, he seemed insane, but he is lift, listed here in Hebrews 11 and saying that by faith that Noah was obedient, building an ark and saved his family from destruction, how incredible. And then you have this other guy who happened to, you know, he climbed up a mountain with his son. Uh, what's his name again? What's his name? Yeah, Abram took his only son. He'd been given a promise and he goes, hey Isaac, guess what? We're going on a, we're going on a bear hunt. We're going to catch it. No, he doesn't sing that. <laughs> he says, we're going to go up this mountain here and we're going to sacrifice something to God. And Isaac's like, oh, this sounds awesome. Where's the sacrifice? Oh, we'll find it. <laughs> gets up there and then wraps his son up and and, and goes to kill his own child before God brings in a substitute a ram. and this is foreshadowing what what Jesus has done for us that even though we should have been the one dying he came in as a substitute sacrificed in our place that through his death we can find life but in that moment that just seems crazy like if, if one of one of your friends said, hey, look, I'm just feeling in my heart. I need to sacrifice my child. Like, you'd probably contact the Hobart Royal Hospital pretty quickly and get him booked in. But by faith, like, the, the Bible seems crazy to, to the world. Like, you read stuff like that and you go, how do you, how do you explain that? But That's because it's a veil. And until you enter into a relationship with God... The, the, the wisdom of God can seem like, like folly to the world. The world looks at it and goes, that doesn't make any sense. That is just crazy. But it's amazing when we actually come into relationship with God. When we, when, when we, like this passage here, it says, without faith it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him firstly must believe that He exists and He rewards those who diligently seek Him. Like When, you, when, when you've experienced God like I have, And like many others here can testify that they know what their life was before God. And they knew that when they encountered Him, everything changed. Everything changed. I was dead in sin, but now I'm alive in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. Do we have any other people that can testify? that? Just give me a wave of your hand. You know what it's like when Jesus changes your life. It's the greatest miracle. The greatest miracle is the gift of salvation. See, it seemed crazy to the world around them, what they were doing. But we're not called to live by the standard of the world, but live in obedience to the Son, what He's preached, what He has taught. And now, because we've got the Holy Spirit in us, because when we read this other passage that I shared with you, it says uh, uh, says in verse 5, now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us a spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come, We now have the Holy Spirit within us. Our confidence isn't in vain. When you know that the Holy Ghost is in you, when you know that you're getting his leadings like like Joe did, it's like, you know, that wasn't just Joe coming up with random things, that was the Holy Spirit leading him. And when you know you have uh, the Holy Spirit in you, you can then have confidence then, if God is moving in me now, then I can have confidence that when this life finishes, that the rest, the rest of what he taught, the rest of what he said, I will see and I will access. I'll be welcomed in as a son of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. See, the world is trying to make us live by sight and not by faith. But God's saying, hey, it's impossible to please me unless you live by faith and not by sight. So we've been talking about this move, about a change of venue, but I want to encourage us, we need to choose to change as well in the process. Because Israel is a, a, you know, if you read through the book of Exodus, God changed their location. They were slaves in Egypt. God set them free miraculously. Like You read the stories and it's just incredible what, what God did to actually break them free from bondage, to actually help lead them into a place where they could access the promises that God had for them as a people group. But the problem was, even though they were moving, they didn't choose to change in the process. And because of that, so many of them didn't actually get to step into the promised land. Only Joseph, uh, sorry, Joshua and Caleb actually stepped into the promised land because everyone else was, they didn't want to change. They were still living as slaves, even though they'd been set free. And I honestly believe for us, as, as, a, as a congregation, as believers here in Hobart, that God wants us to change as we change our location, as we, as we change our vocation, what, what you're doing currently, as that changes, as you step into a new season, God doesn't want you to remain the same. There'll be some unexpected things coming up, but we've got to expect the unexpected and trust that God can work that together for good and change us in the process. It's not about the building but it's what God is building in his body, the church, that really matters to him. So let me encourage you, if the Holy Spirit is starting to convict you about certain things that are in your life, or apathy, or complacency, I've been reading a book um, whilst I was away, and I've just given it to Caitlin, uh, called Total Surrender, and it was by a guy named Edwin Orr. Uh, he was um, friends with Billy Graham at the start of his ministry, and um, Incredible book, but he he lists all these sins and and, and these other things like sins of omission, things that we should be doing but we're not doing and how that is actually a sin. When we're not being obedient to the thing that God has called us to, we're actually missing the mark because apathy in God's eyes is still sin. Complacency in his eyes is falling short of God's glorious standard. And I share this sermon like I am because... I know that God has more for us individually and collectively and I'm not satisfied with living yesterday's Christianity or yesterday's um, my life in him yesterday I want the new thing that he wants to do in me, I want to become more like him I want to go from glory to glory I'm not content because for me to to live is Christ and to die is gain and that's why we've got to fix our eyes continually back to the eternal perspective on things because when we get caught up looking at the temporary things That's when we miss the mark. Live by sight or live by faith. See, let's just look at a few things and we'll wrap it up and I'll pray for a few people. And and if you don't know Jesus yet, let me encourage you, today would be a great day to get right with God. He loves you so much. You know, when we live by sight, family can just be something that we provide for. When When we live by sight, work can be something that we just try to climb up the ladder to be a valued member in the workplace just to earn our money when we live by sight possessions they're mine and they belong to me when i live by sight relationships it, it, it's purely just to make me feel good it's 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 insular it's 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 self-centered in nature when I live by sight, ministry roles, it's, it's, oh, I get the opportunity to have influence. When I live by sight, church attendance is, is just something that I do because I'm just here to connect with people, sing some songs and, and learn and stuff. But, and when I live by sight, personal devotion can sometimes even become a task that I just do. While on the flip side, living by faith, family, it's like Joshua, ask for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It shifts, there's a shift, it becomes less about me and more about Him. When I live by faith, work. I it's, am it's, 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 here to bring the kingdom and to bring impact and to help others see and know God through my word and through my actions. When I live by faith and not by sight, possessions, their mind is steward. And I'm here to help love and support my brothers and sisters in Christ when they're in need, like, like we read in Acts 2. When I live by faith and not by sight, relationships are meant to be covenant, that they're covenant keeping devil kicking they're all about they're all about building the kingdom they're not just about personal gratification and satisfaction sat, uh, satisfaction that ain't even a word Satis- what? Satis- satisfaction see I can't get no sat- satisfaction um, anyway I try and I try and I try anyway living by faith and not by sight ministry roles are an extension of our positioning in christ as a son and a daughter and a healthy understanding that apart from christ i can do nothing by faith i'm secure in who i am in christ i become a servant of the king of kings and lord of lords and i'm actually here to strengthen others in the body of christ who are doing it tough and are weaker in the faith when when i'm living by faith and not by sight church attendance by faith, I recognize that I'm here to contribute, to strengthen the body of Christ, to uplift one another, to love one another. There's a shift when we choose to live by faith rather than living by sight. So make sure that as we step into this new season as a a congregation, as we step out into new things individually, that we're aware of the Holy Spirit's leading and choose not to hold tightly to the things that are temporary, but have such confidence in our eternal God that we can let go of those things and choose change as the Holy Spirit prompts us and leads us because our confidence is not in material things, in temporary things, but in eternal God. King Jesus, I just thank you so much that our security comes from you. We choose not to live by sight, but to live by faith. We want all that you have in store for us individually and collectively. And we know that's a journey. We know that's a process. But God, we commit to, 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 to riding on this journey with you, God. We're not jumping off the bus yet. We're staying on board wherever it takes us. Now in that scripture in Hebrews, whilst every head is bowed and every eye is closed, it goes on to talk about, and this can be slightly disheartening, but there is hope in this. It says this, I just want you to listen to these words and, and ask Holy Spirit just to speak to you through it. says this, there were others who were tortured refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection, some faced jeers and floggings even chains and imprisonment they were put to death by stoning they were sawed in two, they were killed by the sword, they went about in sheepskins and goatskins destitute, persecuted and mistreated the world was not worthy of them, they wandered in the deserts and mountains living in caves, in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Sometimes we won't receive the fullness of God's promises here in this life. But take heart, my brothers. Take heart, my sisters. That if you don't receive it in this life, it's only because God has something better for you when you see Him face to face in the in the true life. When this life is swallowed up by His life, eternal life, we will see clearly. There'll be no more sin, no more shame, no more um, other things uh, blurring our vision from what God had intended. But we will see clearly the goodness of our God the masterfulness of his plans, even when we doubted, faltered, or we were tortured, broken for the faith that we stepped out in God sees that and he rewards those who diligently seek him and he has something better in store so King Jesus I just thank you so much that you're a good God that you have promises for us and we declare your promises. We trust Jesus that you're going you're to bring about miracles in our midst. But even if we don't see them, God, we're not, we're not getting off the bus. We're going to trust you all the way from this life into eternity. Thank you, Jesus.